All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It is Mr. B, episode one, season one, episode one, if you will. So I wanted to start episode one since this is the beginning of everything. Um, if you are just now finding this podcast, regardless of if it's 2023 or beyond, thank you so much for finding my podcast. I appreciate you. I hope to go on a long and wonderful journey with all of you guys and have tons and tons of guests. But before we get into today's topic, which is safety, which safety comes first in everything that we do. So I figured it was only right that we start with that. I wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of a breakdown on who I am, what this podcast is going to be, what you guys can expect. I have no guests on today's episode, but that's going to be a heavy, heavy part of the show moving forward in the days, weeks, months, hopefully years. Wouldn't that be incredible? Um, but so uh, my name's Brady. Go by Mr. B. I teach middle school chorus in the great state of Florida. I have not always lived in Florida. I was born and raised in Maine. I am 30 years old. Um, I, I teach chorus, musical theater. I have coached basketball in the past. I've run chess club. I have been on plenty of different committees, whether it be planning for PBIS, which is positive behavior intervention support. Um, and I've also been in charge of of numerous events uh, countywide and beyond as far as the chorus realm. So if you are a musician, if you're a student or parent and you're thinking about getting into music, or if you just want to think of me as your favorite elective teacher, hopefully that you have at your school or that you had at school, then um, I, I have no problem with you thinking of me as that. So I first, I wanted to talk about why I chose safety and why I know that safety is such a hot topic around around the country right now. Obviously, we're based in the United States and we're in Florida. And I know that school safety is something that can be a little on the touchy side. That's why I put that we're going to have some explicit content in today's episode. I'm not going to be cussing or anything, but I do know that this is some sensitive stuff that we're going to be talking about today. So if you have experienced any sort of... Um, traumatic incidents, especially things dealing with gun violence, fires, um, just violence within your school at all. First and foremost, my heart goes out to you. I am lucky enough to say that I have not had to deal directly with too, too many things yet, but I can talk a little bit about what we do at my school in order to prepare ourselves for the worst situation because you always want to be prepared um, and, and what I've seen that works and stuff that also hasn't worked at other schools. So this is a little bit for parents. I know that parents often feel left in the dark when it comes to their children's education as far as how involved they want to be. Now, I teach at the middle school level, and this is a popular age where parents, were at, you're asked to do a lot when your kids are in elementary school, right? You're expected to be there. They're only 10, 11 years old when they generally leave elementary school here in Florida and in most of the United States. We have elementary school K, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, maybe sometimes sixth grade. Um, at our school, middle school means six, seven, and eight. So if you're thinking, if you're overseas and you're thinking primary school, K to 12 is kind of what we consider that. And then you go on to university or college, whatever you would like to call it. So I teach middle school, six, seven, and eight. So that's kids aged 11 to 14, um, sometimes 15. Sometimes you get some kids that are younger than that, depending on how 
you know, when they were born and if they were held back or if they were able to jump forward in grades when they were younger, what have you. Um, and for this reason, this is a really impressionable age for a lot of students, right? Because this is an age where everything is a little confusing. If you are a student listening to this and you're middle school or high school aged and you're thinking to the time, the first time that you had to do a, a drill, right? If you had to do, we call them code red drills here, which is like an active threat at the school when you're doing things like fire drills. If you are someone that's older and you're like, oh, we did fire drills when I was in school. The fire drills are, are different now, when, now that I'm a teacher than they were when I was going to school. When I was in Maine, fire drills were very, the fire alarm went off and everyone goes outside and then you stand there until they tell you to come back in and then that's it. Things are definitely different now because of the world that we live in. Now, I'm not going to get super political with this podcast. I'm generally someone who politically, I, I write down the middle um, as far as voting. I voted Democrat. I have voted Republican on, on numerous occasions for different people in local and national elections. So I'm going to try not to get on my high horse um, on too, too many things. And I, I implore you, if there's something that you disagree with that I ever talk about on these podcasts, please come on. I am not against you voicing your opinion that is something other than what I I have, right? I'm not have I'm not doing this podcast so that you sit here and you agree with me and you say that I'm right all the time because I know that I'm not right on a lot of topics and that's exactly why I think this podcast is important because I think there's way too many education podcasts where teachers get up there and they say this is how it should be done and my, it's my way or the highway and they don't intend it to be that way most of the time but that's the way it comes off as an audience member, right? This is not something where I'm going to sit here and educate you nonstop about things. But I do want to peel back the curtain and give you a little bit of insight into the world of education. So safety and planning. If the, if the classroom isn't safe, then nothing can be accomplished, right? We're going to talk about classroom management in a few episodes, maybe even the very next episode. Um, and, and you say, well, if, if the students can't behave, then there's no way for them to learn, right? There's nothing more frustrating as a student than when the teacher can't teach properly because then all of a sudden everything is out of whack. Everything is chaotic, right? So safety and planning. When teachers take their job, every single teacher, the first thing that they do, should do, and in my experience, all of them have done that I've worked with um, is scan the room. What kind of room are you dealing with? And every classroom is different. I know that I have a giant classroom that's right at the front of the school. So if you can imagine, you're looking at the front of a class of a school, right? And there's giant, there's big rows of windows out front. They're really thick windows and everything. They're, they're safety windows. But if you imagine a, a big school, long school, one story with a giant window in the front, I have two of those. Um, and we look out straight into the front of the school. So if there were to be something going on, I, I would be the first person to see it. And notice that I say I would be the first person to see it because I strategically have made it so that when I teach, I am looking towards, I am looking towards, oh, that was my cat. Uh, <laughs> I am looking towards the window. The students are looking at me. That way, if something were happening, I would be able to see it before the students because obviously it's my job to make sure that the state, the students can be safe. And if I thought that they were not safe, then we would go through with various plans that we have. 
So let's start with what we call code red drills here. So this is for active shootings. And this is something that if, if you're of the generation where you think about duck and cover with nuclear missile um, drills and, and things like that, it's, it's kind of similar. So if you want to put yourself in that mindset, right? Think to yourself, you are a student. Let's use a regular classroom, for example. You're a regular student. You are sitting at a desk. Um, there may be 20 other students with you in the room. I think that's about average class sizes between 25 and 30 at my school. So um, you're, you're sitting at your desk and all of a sudden uh, the principal or whoever it may be comes over the intercom and says, attention, this is a drill, or they say it's not. Hopefully they say it's a drill and they say we are going into our code red lockdown, you know, teachers lockdown. First thing that we have to do as, as teachers is take a head count of all the students that we have. And we actually have an awesome app that we can go online and mark all of our students safe or not at that drill. So if there's a student that, let's say they were in the restroom, um, there's certain things you have to do there. If there's a student down in the office, there's something that I'm supposed to do. But if they're in my classroom, I have a room that I'm lucky enough to be able to send students to, to create an extra barrier between the hallway or the outside and the students, which is great. A lot of other uh, teachers may have a corner in the room. It's become more trendy to have spots in the room to put protective doors. Um, you, some teachers even have items in their room that can double as weapons to fight back if necessary, which I know it's terrifying to talk about, but there are definitely a few things in, in my classroom that I know that I would I would have to use to fight back if for some reason a threat got into the room. Um, my room would be terrible to break into because I have lots of uh, music stands and instruments and things like that that uh, would not be not be good for the person coming into the room. I'm also a very large human and I have a lot of kids. I have a lot of cl kid classes over 60 plus. So, um what do the children do, right? So so I already said what I do, right? Get the kids into a safe room. I obviously make sure that doors are locked, lights are off. I have windows, so you have to make sure that the blinds are closed. We want to make it so that if someone were to look into my classroom, they don't know how many kids are or are not in the room, just people in general are or are not in the room. For all they know, the classroom is empty, right? And so people always say, well, how do... Uh, like, well, they know that they're in there. What happens if a kid were to bring a gun to school and they know what the procedures are and they know exactly where that classroom goes and hides? That's not the point. It's not that we're hiding so that they don't know what we're doing. Everyone knows the procedures. However, the goal is to put as many barriers, as I said before, between you and someone else. All of our classrooms happen to be in what we call pods. So if you're in a normal classroom hallway, there are four classrooms all connected. And if someone's trying to get into one classroom, you can get to another classroom, close that door behind you, lock it, get out the back if you need to. So that's one thing that's great about my school. What do students do in a code red? Well, number one, you have to make sure that you stay composed, right? If you're a student listening to this and you know those kids that are always constantly sitting there joking around during code reds, they're making jokes, they're making noise, they're on their phone, they're doing all these sorts of things. Um, that's something that I try to instill in my students that it should be taken seriously. If you have a classroom that's on the far side of school, 
and the teacher needs to listen for things like gunshots to know where the threat is coming from to make an educated decision on where to go if you need to get out of the school, where to go. If the teacher cannot hear properly, then there's no way they can make a proper assessment, right? So students, the big thing is you have to just do everything as instructed and treat everything like it's the real thing. We're in Florida where the Stoneman Douglas shooting really, really took its toll on the psyche of my students. I remember things were definitely weird for about a week after the Stoneman Douglas shooting. Um, I'm not too far away from Orlando where the Pulse shooting happened. This is something that is a daily part of our children's lives. And we as adults sometimes think that all children are blissfully ignorant when in reality they want to... They, they want to help in a lot of these situations. They want to know what they can do to make things easier. And kids are a lot more capable of thinking for themselves than we, than we give them credit for. So a code red drill for a student. Um, I know I always have a select few students that I talk with. It's usually students that maybe I've had before or I've noticed that are particularly mature that I will ask to pull the blinds for me. Those big windows I was talking about before, I make sure that those blinds are closed. And a lot of times I will pick a student, um, two students, because there are two separate windows to close those. That way I can go over to the door. I will I will open the door very slightly as soon as it's called just to double check and make sure that my door is locked, locked um, and make sure that everything is is on the up and up. And as soon as those blinds are closed, the students are already heading in and those kids can can get to where they need to go. Um, if you're in if you're in bathrooms, I know that our at our school, um, every school is going to be a little bit different at our school where we tell students you need to get somewhere out of the hallways. Um, if you're right next to a classroom and there, if there's a way for you to get in the classroom very, very quickly, then do it. However, the one thing we don't want you doing is if you are 30 seconds away from your classroom, we don't want you running back down a hallway towards your classroom because you never know where that threat could be called in from, right? So I always tell the students, listen, if you are if you are going to get water and our water fountain's broken in the hallway and you're in another hallway, you do not come back to my room. You get into whatever room is closest, even during a drill, whether that's a bathroom, the front office, the cafeteria, the gym, even if there's no one in there, that's where you go. You go to an enclosed room. Um, and then you got to wait it out. I know that some students get scared because they say, oh, well, in the bathrooms, um, like we can lock the door, but there's this little cutout underneath for safety for students that might have medical emergencies. Couldn't someone potentially crawl up in there and come after me? If there's anything to put your mind at ease, generally people that are willing to, um, you know, open fire on a, on a school, they are not going to take the time to check every individual bathroom stall, right? They're trying to go somewhere where they can do the most amount of damage in the least amount of time. And so I can't guarantee that you would be safe. However, it's a lot safer that you are in there and quiet um, and, and making sure that you're not bringing any attention to yourself. I think that's a, a really important aspect. If you're in the office, a lot of times um, you might get pulled into one of the um, one of the offices, like a vice principal's office or a guidance counselor's office, something along those lines. Um, but once again, it's kind of like the classroom 
right? You just, you just get into whatever room you can quickly. Now, obviously this goes out the window. If you are in the courtyard and you see a threat and you see that there is someone trying to do harm to other people, you go in the opposite direction. And at that point, you don't have to get into a classroom. If you know that the threat is in the middle of a courtyard and there's a parking lot that you are easily able to get to and run out and run far, far away from the school, that's what you do, right? You have to use common sense. You have to stay grounded. You don't turn back for anything. You don't try to let your friends know. You don't get. You don't try to hide and get on your phone. You just go. You get on your phone after. If you do not know what to do, if all else fails, call 911, right, once you're somewhere. Because um, I know that most of the kids have cell phones in middle school these days. Um, now, in addition to code red, we have what's called code yellows, right? So code yellows at our school basically mean there's not a threat on campus, but there could be something nearby. So let's say that there was a code red that was um, that was put on for a nearby school within a mile or something like that. We might automatically go down onto a code yellow, which is a lockdown, but that just means you you can go back to class. We're allowed to open the doors to let kids back into class, but we're not allowed to check students out. We are not allowed to send students to the bathroom or water or anything like that. We have to wait to send anyone out of the classroom until that's lifted. Everything else remains the same. So if you're a student and you hear a code yellow at your school, that generally means go back to class. If you're in the bathroom, go back to class. If you're in the office, go back to class, um, but, but don't hang out. The main reason for this is, let's say there's um, a wanted fugitive. Let's say someone robs a store down the road. We don't want them to have access into the school. You know, they pretend that they're a parent and all of a sudden they get a let into the school and now they're now a dangerous person is inside the school, right? The whole point of a code yellow is to keep everybody out at the time. Um, then we have fire drills. I mentioned it, right? So fire drills are a little different than when I was a kid. Sorry, I got to grab a drink here. So fire drills are a little different. Um, there have been a couple cases where people, once again, shooters looking to do harm, someone with God knows what, um, will pull a fire alarm to try to get everyone to huddle up outside. So what what we've actually done and what I believe every school in the country has started doing is instead of immediately running outside when a fire alarm goes off, what we do is we take a head count and then we wait to be told to leave. Or if no announcement has been made after a designated amount of time, whether it's two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, it doesn't matter. Um, whatever that designated time is, if you hear no announcement, that's when you will go outside to your designated area, right? And so we've done fire drills for the past few years that are a mixture of both. Sometimes they tell you to evacuate, sometimes they don't. And it's important for teachers to know what to do. So piggybacking on that, students, what are some things that you can do to help to know? Number one, ask questions. Um, that's something that generally the first couple days of school you're going to talk about, right? Here's what you do in a code red. Here's what you do in a code yellow. Um, here's what you do in a fire drill. Now, Something that people always forget is that substitutes might not know exactly what the procedure is. They are told, they are trained to do it, but a lot of people just breeze through this stuff and say, oh, it's substitute teaching, it's easy. I show up, I give some worksheets, and I sit there, right? Or we watch a movie and we sit there. However, if there's a code red or code yellow or fire drill, you as a student 
are going to know more about what to do during those drills than most substitutes are going to. So make sure that you are kind to subs. If the sub, if all of a sudden a code yellow is called and the sub starts putting you in a side room and says, oh, we're on lockdown, it's okay for you to raise your hand and say, no, we, we, this is a code yellow. It's a little different. Now, if the sub comes back at you and snaps at you, then it's whatever. Cut your losses, go and do what they ask, right? But sometimes it's important to inform them of what to do as well, especially if they don't know that waiting rule with a fire drill. Know the layout of the room. Students, my, my students know exactly which rooms go to which. They know that if you go into this room, it's a practice room and it's not going anywhere. But if you go into this room, it leads to the outdoors through a boiler room or whatever it may be. And I try to make sure that they know. So once again, if you see a door in your classroom, just it's okay to ask the teacher, hey, where does that door go? Right? Because in a situation as scary as a school shooter situation, it's important that you are there, if you know that you can be a level-headed person and assist the teacher um, to help get everyone safe and sound, that is a major, major plus to have in the classroom. That That's someone that I would love to have in my classroom to lean on. Um, oh, if you see, it, now with, with Code Red drills, you are not students. You are allowed to say something to teachers. I would rather a student come to me and say, hey, I think I saw a kid with a knife or a gun or an explosive device. I would much rather you come to me, I report it to the school or call it in. If, if you know, know that it was that and you say, I know for sure that I just saw someone in the bathroom, you know, doing something, tell me. That way I can... I can go that that is the biggest thing that you can do as a student, right? Is just be informative, always be on your toes. Um, obviously, don't lie about that. That's not something that you should lie about. That's not something that's funny, regardless of what some people will do. A lot of times peer pressure, right? They'll say, oh, that wouldn't that be funny if you told Mr. B that a kid had a knife at lunch today, just to try to get that kid in trouble because they looked at me wrong the other day. No, don't do that, right? Um, but always be on your toes and report everything. There's nothing wrong with, you know what, false alarm. We had the police officer, the SRO, search that student, and there was nothing. Now, what is an SRO? Parents always want to know um, what what's happening as far as school safety with an SRO, which is a school resource officer. That's what we call them at our school. So in Florida, in the county that I teach, we every school gets assigned an SRO, which is through the county that we teach. So they are not a worker for the school. They are assigned, and most of the time they might be there for a year or two, and then they will rotate to a different school. Students, be friends with the SRO. They're not, they should not be seen as a threat to you. It is their job to make the rounds of school, make sure things like doors are being locked, the fencing outside, if there's a way for you to come into the school during the morning or at night or you know, after school, a way for you to get in and out of school, make sure that all of that is secure. You know, that is what they are there for. We've been blessed to have a bunch of wonderful SROs since I've been teaching. I've been teaching for six years, and all of our SROs have been wonderful, wonderful people that I consider friends, that they want nothing more than to help the school be safe. And a lot of times they embed themselves within the school community. They're just people, just because they happen to walk around and yes, they, they might walk around and have a taser and a baton, 
um, or, or a pistol or something like just because they may have those things doesn't mean that they are a threat to you. In fact, if you talk and have a conversation with them, I think that it might actually put your mind at ease a little bit. And parents, you should talk to the SRO as well. Any school function, if you go to a basketball game or a band concert or a fundraising event at the school, a lot of times that SRO is going to be there. There is nothing wrong with walking over, introducing yourself to them, and then being involved with the safety of the school. A lot of times SROs might give you information if you were to say, hey, my kid has a classroom that's on the fourth floor of the high school and they're worried that the stairwell will get too packed if all of them have to leave. That might be something that the SRO hasn't thought about, right? I'm sure they have, but that might be something that could help the school in the long run, even just mentioning it, mentioning it a little bit. And every little bit helps. There's always ways that we can improve our school safety plan. Now, I mentioned doors should not be propped. This is something that too many schools and teachers get away with, in my opinion, and students as well. If there are doors leading to the outside of the school where people could get in through those doors, they need to stay locked and closed all the way. If you're a student, you see a door is propped and it's leading outside. I don't care if you know who propped it or not. Please close that door. Kick that rock out from getting it propped because there are way too many people at the county level that will come in and they'll prop a door because, oh, we're coming right back out, right? And maybe, or we're coming right back in, we're leaving and we don't have a key to that outside door. So we're going to come right back in. It does not matter. They should take that extra time to go back through the front office, just like they did the first time to get whatever it is they need, because it is never okay to leave those doors open in any capacity. Okay. Like that's one of those things. If an adult gets mad at you because they propped the door open and you closed it, they can get over it. That's, that's the way I, that's the way I feel on it. So, um, and then if you want to go the extra step, parents, students attend different trainings that the police have. And a lot of times I know, I'd say probably three years ago or so, like, like right before COVID, um, our, our police department locally at the school they actually held a simulation. They asked parents, teachers, administrators, students to all come down and do a mock um, evacuation for a code red. So the police department talked about how they would sweep the area and make sure to establish where the threat was and how to get people out and where to go. And they actually held a simulation. It was something that was informative. In a lot of ways, it was fun because you got to see what they would do. And it actually puts a lot of people's mind at ease to say, oh, look how efficient they can be um, and how good the the police officers are at their job. Right. So I don't want these to be too, too long. I was telling myself 30 minutes and we're sitting at 27. Um, This will be it for episode one. If you would like to be a guest on any future episodes, because that is a segment that I plan on doing, it's doing little interviews with people here and there, whether you are a, now please be an adult. So let's say you're a former student, you are 19, 20 years old, you're in college, and there's something that always grinded your gears about your high school, whether it's safety or any other topic, because I'm going to be covering everything. Um, Or you're just a parent that maybe you something really stuck with you from this episode, or there's something that you wanted to add about safety, or you're a fellow teacher, 
um, or administrator that wants to be involved in this podcast, I think this should be a podcast for everybody. And um, please feel free. We're just starting right now. Any sort of reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, anything like that, if you would uh, be so kind to give it a like, a share, anything like that, you know, follow, sub, whatever it's called, um, I would really appreciate it. So anyway, until next time, have a good one.